We probably all remember it. That initial feeling of falling in love, can't eat, can't sleep, daydreaming about what the future is going to look like. Do you know that we have that in the Song of Solomon? We see so many emotions as this young couple starts to fall in love. Let's unpack it together today. sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. The Hearing Jesus podcast is so excited to partner with Compassion International. We believe in Compassion's mission to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. Sponsors, when they sponsor a child, have the opportunity to see firsthand the impact that you're making through letters and updates that you receive from your sponsored child. It's not just changing the lives of children, it's changing entire families, whole communities, always through the local church and always in Jesus' name. When you choose to sponsor a child, you enter access to quality education, medical checkups, healthy food, clean water, and most importantly, the love of Jesus. Delivered through a church in their community because of a generous, caring sponsor like you. And you can speak life, love, and hope to your sponsored child through personal letters that you'll exchange. I hope you'll join me in sponsoring a child through Compassion today. All you have to do is pull out your phone and text Hearing Jesus to 83393. You'll get a text back with a picture of a child who is waiting for a sponsor and a link to sponsor that child. You can also go to Compassion.com forward slash Hearing Jesus to choose a boy or girl to sponsor. When you sponsor, we'll also send you a copy of She Hears Learning to listen to Jesus, my book, as a token of our thanks for investing in the life of a child. Thank you for joining me and sponsoring a child through Compassion today. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are continuing our new series on the book of Song of Solomon. And just so you know, in case you haven't heard, we also have some extra resources available for you. Each day I create journaling prompts and a workbook page to help you get the information from your head into your heart. And so those can be found on our Patreon. On our Patreon, you can also get ad-free episodes, bonus giveaways, extra content, and so much more. But the workbook pages that you want to go along with this series can be found there as well. And so today we are in the Song of Solomon, and I'm reading from the New American Standard Version of the Bible. And so I'm going to stop when it changes characters or changes speakers so that you understand who is speaking. And I'll make an indication of that as I read. And so we're starting off, this is the young Shulamite bride and the daughters of Jerusalem. Starting at verse one, the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. So now we have the bride speaking. May he kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is sweeter than wine. Your oils have a pleasing fragrance. Your name is like purified oil. Therefore, the young women love you. Draw me after you and let's run together. The king has brought me into his chambers. Now it's the chorus speaking. We will rejoice in you and be joyful. We will praise your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. The bride. 
I am black and beautiful, you daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kadar, like the curtains of Solomon. Do not stare at me because I am dark, for the sun has tanned me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me caretaker of the vineyards, but I have not taken care of my own vineyard. Tell me, you whom my soul loves, where do you pasture your flock? Where do you have it lie down at noon? For why should I be like the one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? And now Solomon, the lover, speaks. If you yourself do not know, most beautiful among women, go out on the trail of the flock and pasture your young goats by the tents of the shepherds. To me, my darling, you are like my mare among the chariots of Pharaoh. Your cheeks are delightful with jewelry, your neck with strings of beads. Now the chorus. We will make for you jewelry of gold with beads of silver. The bride. While the king was at his table, my perfume gave forth its fragrance. My beloved is to me a pouch of myrrh which lies all night between my breasts. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms in the vineyards of Engedi. The groom. How beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful you are. Your eyes are like doves. The bride. How handsome are you, my beloved, and so delightful. Indeed, our bed is luxuriant. The beams of our house are cedars. Our rafters, junipers. So right off the bat, we can tell that this is a love song. Now, the speaker identifications are not necessarily in the Hebrew text or even in the Septuagint, which is the Greek version, but it's a reflection of the ancient tradition, which does appear in some of the older manuscripts. And remember, a lot of this would have been shared orally. It would have been passed down orally. It would have been spoken as part of their liturgy during the Passover or different festivals. And so because there was traditions associated with who was doing the speaking, the organizers of the translations did include that to make it easier on you. But right off the bat, we realize that this is a very romantic text. You may be wondering that question, does this kind of language even belong in the Bible? Well, like we talked about yesterday, it's important to see this idea of biblical love within the context of marriage, of a marriage covenant relationship. It celebrates love and passion, and while that can make some people uncomfortable, it is part of the human experience. And we do need to look at God's version of it because we are bombarded with the world's version of it. So verse three says, your oils have a pleasing fragrance. Your name is like purified oil. Therefore, the young women love you. So this young girl is delighting in the fragrant oils of the boy, and she's comparing the aroma to his name. His reputation and his character have made him desirable in the eyes of everyone that knows him, even these other young maidens who know nothing of his kisses, but they also have this love and this admiration for him from afar. He was the kind of guy that everybody was crushing on. And so the fact of that is a heightened of her enjoyment and being loved by him. And so one of the things that I think is important to understand here is that even in love, character counts. The character of this individual has gone before him, just like the aroma has. Now, if you haven't done my She Hears Bible study, one of the things that you learn in there is about the aroma of the king. 
Often, when a king would be in a processional or would be traveling from town to town, you would smell him before you would see him. There was an aroma around a king. It would be these very expensive oils that they would put on the king, and he had an aroma about him. So she's comparing his character to the aroma. So as much as the character comes before him, it's similar to how the aroma comes before him. It's important to make sure that when we align ourselves with somebody within a marriage relationship, this covenant relationship, that we look at their character, not just how they smell, not just how they look, not just how they speak, but what does their character say about them? Let's jump down to verse five. It says, I am black and beautiful, you daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. So in that time frame, tents were made of black goat hair. Now, Kedar was an Arabian tribe that descended from Abraham's son, Ishmael. Now, if you think back to Abraham's story, Ishmael was the son that Abraham had with his wife's servant, Hagar. So this woman was of Arabian descent. Some scholars even believe that she was an Arabian princess. But either way, we know because she says she was black. We know this was a mixed race couple. And I think that's important to point out because there are a lot of people, even within the body of Christ, that are racist and they blame it on the Bible and they don't believe in mixed race couples. It's very clear throughout lots of places in the scriptures that there were mixed race couples. And Solomon was said to be one of the greatest kings uh, that Israel ever had. And he was part of a mixed race couple. His dad, David and Bathsheba, they were a mixed race couple. And so don't blame your racism on the Bible because that's so opposite of what we see. That's my little sidebar. So going to verse six, it says, do not stare at me because I am dark for the sun has tanned me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me caretaker of the vineyards, but I have not taken care of my own vineyard. So what we see here is her brothers have forced her to take care of their vineyards, which meant that she did not have time to take care of her own vineyard. So all that time out in the sun is what she's blaming for being so dark. But that was a contrast to what the standards of beauty were at the time. It was a contrast to the girls of Jerusalem, because not only were they more fair, I mean, they're brown, but they're lighter brown, but they protected their skin from the sun. The standard of beauty was fairer skin at that point. And so what's so interesting is in that time frame, the lighter skin was preferred, but it wasn't because of race. It was because of class, because the majority of people in that time were farmers and they worked outside. So having fair skin was more exotic and it made you think more of wealth and privilege, whereas darker skin meant you were out working the fields. So it was a class issue. Let's move on to verse eight. It says, if you yourself do not know most beautiful among women, go out on the trail of the flock and pasture your young goats by the tents of the shepherds. I want you to think about something for a minute. Just bear with me. What we see here with the Shulamite woman is she was a shepherd. Throughout the New Testament and throughout the Old Testament, we see mentions of shepherds. In the Old Testament specifically, you always see women as shepherds. Think about the matriarchs of the faith. A lot of them were found at wells watering their sheep. Women were shepherds in the culture. How does that change your thinking about shepherds in the New Testament? Think about when you see shepherds in the life of Jesus. At the very beginning, when the birth of Jesus and the miracle of his birth 
was shown to the shepherds, we always automatically think or we picture the shepherds as men. Now, could they have been? Maybe, but usually taking care of the sheep was a job for either the youngest child or the women in the family. I'm just going to drop that there and let you meditate on that, but I think it's super interesting. And maybe we'll do even a series on shepherds and sheep within this culture, but it's super interesting to think about women as shepherds within this time frame. Hey friends, are you loving the deep conversations, the biblical insight, and the spiritual growth content that I share on the Hearing Jesus podcast? Well, I've got some fantastic news for you. Starting at just $5 a month, you can become a member of our Patreon community and take your Hearing Jesus experience to a whole new level. When you join Patreon, you gain access to ad-free episodes, daily journaling prompts and worksheets, monthly bonus content, personalized Q&A sessions with me, giveaways, and more. As a Patreon supporter, you're not just a listener, you're a valued member of my inner circle. But that's not all. Our Patreon community is a place where you can connect with like-minded people who share your passion for spiritual growth, engage in meaningful discussions, share your thoughts, and be part of something that's truly special. Plus, we've got some awesome perks lined up for our Patreon supporters from shout-outs on the podcast to exclusive merch and more. So if you're ready to dive deeper into the journey of hearing Jesus, head on over to patreon.com forward slash hearing Jesus. Your support makes a real difference, allowing us to continue bringing you inspiring content week after week. Also, a portion of any income from Patreon goes to support children through our partnership with Compassion International. Again, head to patreon.com forward slash hearing Jesus. Thank you for being a vital part of the Hearing Jesus community. Community. Together, let's learn to live out our faith in our everyday life. Verse 9, he says, To me, my darling, you are like my mare among the chariots of Pharaoh. Now, again, this is one of those scenarios where we have to read this through the context of ancient people groups. If my husband called me a mare, if my husband called me a horse, we're going to have some words. But this is not him calling her a horse. Well, I mean, it is, but it means companion or friend. And it was a term of affection and tenderness that was used in that betrothal stage, that engagement stage before marriage. Being compared to a fine horse in those days was considered the highest compliment. Now, men, if you're listening, do not call your woman a horse and blame me because I'm not taking the fall for you. So let's move down. Let's see to verse 11. We will make for you jewelry of gold with beads of silver. This is the chorus talking. She was a shepherdess. If she was a shepherdess, she would have had humble clothing. And the reference to jewelry would be quite a contrast from what she was used to. And this image of finely crafted jewelry was a symbol of devotion and affection. And so that's why I lean more to the idea that she was not necessarily an Arabian princess. I think she certainly was of Arabian descent. But in my mind, if she was a princess, she probably would not have been a shepherdess. She probably would not have been working out in the sun. And she probably would not have been impressed with this idea of jewelry. But that's just my thinking. I mean, scholars would arrive on both sides of the fence with that. Verse 12, while the king was at his table, my perfume gave forth its fragrance. So that is actually translated, depending on what version you're looking at, it's translated from the word nard. And nard is a fragrant oil from the roots of an herb in the Himalayan mountain region of India. And that was the same fragrance that was used on Jesus. Remember when Mary broke the alabaster jar 
and she anointed Jesus before his death, before he went into Jerusalem, that is the same substance. It's very, very expensive. And so it's talking about how my perfume gave forth its fragrance. She was wearing that nard, that very expensive perfume, which likely was a gift from him. And so again, one of the things I think is so amazing is we see all the love languages displayed in the Song of Solomon's. We see the gift giving, we see clearly the words of affirmation, we see time, all the things. We're going to see all of them throughout this series. And then verse 13, my beloved is to me a pouch of myrrh, which lies all night between my breasts. Some people would interpret that as talking about premarital sex saying premarital sex is okay. That is not what it's talking about, which is why it's really important that we read the scriptures within the context of not just our lives, but the way that ancient people groups would have understood that. In their culture, they would carry pouches of myrrh and they would tuck them in their chest. The reason for that was myrrh is a resin or kind of like a gummy substance. It was from the balsam tree in Arabia and sometimes India, and it would be carried in bundles in these little perfume bags. And the women would tuck it into their chest so that they could smell the scent and they would mask the odors of ancient times. Similar to how we dab perfume on our chest or behind our ears, it was just a way to, to keep it there. And and you have to remember, this is ancient times. This was before there was things like running water or indoor plumbing, or you know there would be sewage in the streets. Just the, the normal odors from the ancient times were not very pleasant. And so this was a way that they combated those odors. And what she's saying is that her thoughts of this gentleman who is her soulmate is refreshing to her, like the fragrance of the myrrh is refreshing to her. They would use the myrrh bags as a way to refresh their olfactory senses. And then she calls him beloved. That word beloved, it's from the word doti, and it means kindred spirit or soulmate. It's such a sweet way to express her love for him. And then we see in verse 14, he says, My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms in the vineyards of Engedi. Well, henna blossoms were flowers. They're the ones we get the henna dye from. And they smell similar to roses and they grow naturally in that region. And so Engedi was an oasis that was southeast of Jerusalem. And this is this idea of her being refreshing because he's talking about the refreshing scent. It's this beautiful love letter between the two of them that we're seeing go back and forth. And then we see a reference to doves. Doves were seen as messengers of love. And then verse 16 and 17 says, How handsome you are, my beloved, and so delightful. Indeed, our bed is luxuriant. The beams of our house are cedars, our rafters are junipers. And so what this is, is this idea of this girl who is daydreaming. She's daydreaming about their pretend mansion that they're going to live in. And she imagines the lush grass as their bed and the branches of the trees overhead as their walls and the ceiling. And she's basically just saying, imagine what our house is going to be like one day. And I think we've all done that as young women when we're daydreaming about what our lives are going to be like once we're married. We daydream about how we're going to decorate our house and what our life is going to be like. And so what we see in this passage is just this clear picture of two young people that are very much in love. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to read starting at verse 1 again. This is Song of Solomon, chapter 1, starting at verse 1. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. 
the bride. May he kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is sweeter than wine. Your oils have a pleasing fragrance. Your name is like purified oil. Therefore, the young women love you. Draw me after you, and let's run together. The king has brought me into his chambers. The chorus, we will rejoice in you and be joyful. We will praise your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. The bride, I am black and beautiful, you daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. Do not stare at me because I am dark, for the sun has tanned me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me caretaker of the vineyards, but I have not taken care of my own vineyard. Tell me, you whom my soul loves, where do you pasture your flock? Where do you have it lie down at noon? For why should I be like one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? Now Solomon, the lover, speaks. If you yourself do not know, most beautiful among women, go out on the trail of the flock and pasture your young goats by the tents of the shepherds. To me, my darling, you are like my mare among the chariots of Pharaoh. Your cheeks are delightful with jewelry, your neck with strings of beads. The chorus, we will make for you jewelry of gold with beads of silver the bride. While the king was at his table, my perfume gave forth its fragrance. My beloved is to me a pouch of myrrh, which lies all night between my breasts. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms in the vineyards of Engedi. The groom, how beautiful you are, my darling, how beautiful you are. Your eyes are like doves. The bride, how handsome you are, my beloved, and so delightful. Indeed, our bed is luxuriant. The beams of our house are cedars, our rafters are junipers. God, we thank you for the treasure of your word and how we see this beautiful picture of this young couple that is so in love, that is affectionate, that is adoring of each other, that is daydreaming, that is headed towards this idea of a married covenant of love. Lord, I pray that this passage would be an encouragement to us, that we would see this picture of what it looks like to be in love. Sometimes we don't think about the Bible in that way, but Lord, we thank you that every aspect of the human condition is not lost on you. Lord, I thank you and praise you for the way that you have designed love within the context of marriage. And I just pray for my friends right now that they would be able to experience the blessing within their marriage relationship, that it would give them incredible joy. We thank you for being the one that has authored this kind of joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey friend, every day when I finish the podcast, I feel so confident that this is one of the things that God created me for. And my journey is not unlike yours. I had a season in my life where I was doubting God's voice. I felt insecure about the things that I thought he might be telling me to do. If you were in that place, I want you to know that I offer spiritual direction and life coaching to help you get unstuck. Maybe you're struggling with something and need an objective biblical opinion. Maybe you need some help working through something that feels a little heavy. Maybe you feel called to write or start your own podcast, or maybe you just want to learn how to hear God's voice more clearly. For me, when God started to reveal his plan for my life, I found my purpose. And part of that purpose is to help you learn how to grow in your relationship with him. My heart is to help guide you in this area so you can step confidently into the calling God has for you. If you would like to start spiritual direction or life coaching, I'm opening up space for a couple more clients. You can head to shehears.org forward slash coaching to learn more. That's shehears.org forward slash coaching. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know 
I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going. Keep going.